speaks incessantly on topics of a sexual and scatological nature. I will fuck you, but I will not eat you. I want that fucking dick down my throat while I'm dicking him down. I okay. hope my mother's listening. Your ass became a rosebud? Yeah, that's because I got dicked down real good. <laughs> he asks questions of his celebrity guests that are highly inappropriate and rude. Which of you has a bigger penis? Oh, that's a good one. That's a fun, good one. Going down on the clitoris? Oh, yes. Oh, I Absolutely. like where you're going with yep. this. For some reason, the word strap-on just comes right out of my mouth, Bianca. Yeah, you said come and strap-on at the same time. And he cannot stop talking about his buttocks. I think your butt is telling you, no mas, por favor. <laughs> this is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. <laughs> and now... Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Ass. My name is Adam Sank. This is The Adam Sank Show. Today is Saturday, November 24th, 2018. Uh, I hope everyone had a fabulous Thanksgiving. Leave your ratings and reviews on iTunes or wherever else you listen to this thing. Email me at adam at adamsank.com. Uh, and my last ever comedy show is happening this coming Wednesday and Thursday, November 28th and 29th at the Stonewall Inn. Uh, I don't know if there will be any tickets left by the time you're, you're hearing this episode, but uh, you can go to adamsank.com for complete details and links to the tickets. And um, I don't know, try to buy them, see them if there's any left. As of uh, today, as we're recording this, there are about 12 tickets left. So good luck. Um, our guest today is legendary comedian, radio and TV personality, John Fugelsang, literally my favorite person in show business. I adore him. Um, he has a daily show on Sirius XM Insight, and uh, he's actually coming in on his day off to do this show, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, and once again, I want to welcome to the ass everyone's favorite trans man, today's guest co-host, Jay. Hey, thanks for having me back. Jay, we survived last week's episode. Yes, which that was, was crazy. rough. Poor JB, I thought, was going to have a nervous breakdown, uh, but she held it together, honey. She held that shit together, and uh, and we somehow managed to crank out something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you gotta love technical difficulties. Yeah. I was, you know, pretty calm. I think. Yeah. No, you did well. At one point, you said, "How are you handling this?" Yeah. <laughs> but you know, fifteen years of doing stand up, I've had every possible thing happen. I've shown up at gigs and had no microphone, no light, uh. no audience. You just have to, you can't roll take anything personally. You can't get mad. You can't freak out. You just have to roll with it. Yeah, I'm really good at freaking out about things. So it's, I don't know. How was your uh, Thanksgiving and where did you spend it? So it was really, really good. So I um, I spent a little, a couple hours volunteering somewhere and oh. uh, helping to feed a few folks. And then my partners who were out of town um, arrived that day and we made a very traditional me uh, Thanksgiving meal together. Lovely. Yeah, and and what was your contribution to the meal? So I help wash dishes. There are a lot you of dishes. You don't cook. Uh, I mean, in general I do, but at, like two of my primary partner and his husband like plan the menu. They want to do their thing. Like it's, it's a very like, yeah. You just sit no, back and watch. Right. Lovely. Well, I made vegan paella for my uh, family's meal, which was primarily just for myself. <laughs> you know, no one's vegan in the family except for me. I have one sister, uh, my sister Laura, who's sort of a lazy vegetarian. Mm -hmm. But um, 
sheets, everything else. And so I basically, whenever there's a big family dinner, I have to bring my own. For an 11. This must be why I'm single. <laughs> but since why I then, barely get any sex these days. Besides that, besides like, so the reason why I refuse to re-download them is that I don't want to deal with that again. A, B, I've done sex work for so long that I didn't want to give it away for free. C, I'm now I wasn't then, but I'm now in recovery. So um, the apps are for drug addiction. So so the apps are like a real easy way to get back into active addiction. I agree. I think that there, you know, all the P and P that goes on yeah. and the capital T that's in everyone's um, profile description. It seems like a, a magnet for, for um, drug addiction. Yeah. All that seems so extra. I don't know why people do that. Like, the app is meant for sex. Use it for sex, people. If you find a person who is who does your drugs and party, then kudos to you, but it's meant for sex. Well, you're not a drug addict, though. I mean, for them, it's very much part of their experience. They want they don't want just sex. They want sex like while they're high. Chemsex, yeah. Chemsex, which is so awful. Well... Uh, the first story we're going to do is not about, actually about hookup apps, but um, I thought it was important because it brings up a lot of other issues. Um, a London spa has come under fire. Uh, it's a bathhouse, actually, for evicting a man um, because he's trans. Okay. He's a 26-year-old trans man named Jason, and he visited Sailor's Sauna, which is a terrible name. <laughs> On October 29th, the club advertises itself as a social club for men interested in other men. Um, he says he was a little nervous because he hasn't had bottom surgery, but he was reassured by a friend that there wouldn't be an issue. He double-checked their website, and there didn't say any, didn't say anything about trans men not being welcome. He visited the spa for about an hour, but when he sat in a jacuzzi, a staff member asked him to leave. When Jason asked why, the staff member told him that his vagina disqualified him. Jason protested and even showed his government-issued ID that listed him as male. The staff insisted that he leave, and someone, one of them repeatedly said, reportedly said, quote, if you had tits and a dick, it would be fine. They did issue him a full refund. I've heard of similar stories happening, um, not just at bathhouses, but also at, at sex clubs and yep. sex parties. Yep. So this is complicated uh, for me and I think for other people. On the one hand, I, I abhor discrimination of any kind, right? I don't think anyone should be excluded um, from going somewhere because of his or her genitals or gender. On the other hand, I do understand that there are these sort of gay male spaces. One of them that comes to mind is the Black Party in New York City. Every year there's this giant circuit party that's really all about sex and specifically gay male sexuality and their live sex shows and everyone's having sex like right there on the dance floor and in various rooms and mazes and, and tunnels and so forth. Um, and I've, I haven't been to that party in years, but back when I would attend, I would sometimes see women there, both trans women and cis women. And mm -hmm. I'd be like, why are there women here? Yeah. You know, it, 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 for me, it was like inhibiting because I didn't feel like I could engage in the, the spirit and the, the the sort of the energy of the party, if there were women there watching me, yeah. where do you how do you feel about all this? I, I mean, it's equally as complicated a, a, a situation for me. But in terms of this example with the um, with the spa or whatever the bathhouse, um, you know, speaking as a trans man, like first of all. Like, if you don't want to fuck around with me, whether it's at a bathhouse or otherwise, like, then don't. You know what I mean? Like, right. Because, qu quite frankly, if there was a trans man there, I wouldn't fuck around with him. I don't like pussy. I just, I don't. 
like I like Dick, but I wouldn't want him to not be there. Right. It's kind of like saying no unattractive people are allowed. You right. know, like there's if I go to a bathhouse. I probably don't want to have sex with 95% of the guys there. Yeah. And, and it's not, because, day, not right. because of what's between their legs. <laughs> That's right. And so, um, and so, but but also like having me present and like having someone like me present and like watching is, I mean, to look at me, I don't, like I don't look like a woman. Like, at all. It's, it doesn't, like you wouldn't, I hopefully, I, don't, I mean, I can't imagine that anyone would feel like a woman was watching them, right? But at the same time, I have to say, you know, my ex and I used to go to um, Berlin in Germany all the time. And the gay guy bars there are, um, I mean, they're they're playing like hardcore fetish porn on flat screen TVs everywhere. There's a back room, like either in the back or downstairs. There's sex happening everywhere. And they, like legit, they've got like closed circuit TV with the door locked. And you buzz in. And if the door person sees that you're a woman, they won't even let you in. And I had mixed feelings about that, right? Um, but at the same time, I didn't, I kind of didn't want women to be there. Like, yeah. so I, I feel very much like you do is what I'm saying. It, it's tricky. And by the way, at this uh, spa... Um, apparently what happened was a customer informed a member of the staff that a woman was using the venue. So some asshole saw the vagina and thought, didn't understand what a trans man was or just assumed it was a woman. Um, We are, this is from the club. They says, the customer was told we did not know how we would stand in regards to our license. We are only licensed for men to use the venue. I don't know that that's a real thing. Yeah. The customer was given a full refund, and we did apologize. We've had confirmation from the council, I don't know what that is, that if someone has a GRC, Gender Recognition Certificate, or ID confirming that they are male, we would not be in breach of our license. That feels very Handmaid's Tale to me. You shouldn't have to have something in writing that proves that you are this gender or that gender. See, I think this is going to get more and more complicated as we go, as we evolve. Yeah. In terms of our discussion of gender, because now you have people who are gender nonconforming. That's right. I work with someone like that. Yeah. We have people who present as male, but identify as female mm-hmm. or, or non-binary and vice versa. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to have to just get over ourselves mm-hmm. and feel like if a person wants to come to a bathhouse or the black party or the Eagle or any other place that's traditionally uh, kind of a, a, an enclave of gay male sexuality, we're just going to have to deal with it. Yeah. And if you're not into that person, like we just said, then don't do anything don't with them. Don't with engage. Them. Yeah. Right. Um, at the same time, like I do understand the desire among gay men to just be around other gay men sometimes and have it be, I mean, listen, we discussed this in the gay men's chorus. I'm a member. The gay men's chorus has always been open to um, all genders and all sexual orientations. And we have had female members and we have had straight uh, people. Um, But at the same time, it's like we want to preserve our 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 identity as the New York City gay men's chorus. Or do we? Is that even important? I mean, these are conversations that go on. Um, among chorus members. Sure, so I- you know, where where I work, um, just last night, we had volunteers from uh, Gotham Cheer. And and while they were there, I looked on their website because I was like, Are, is this like a just a gay cheerleading group? And while it's like heavily gay, they're even on their, like one of the first things it says on their website is that they highly value and welcome their straight allies. And I think that's super important. Yeah, I do too. And I just think that we, um, we're going to have to all continue to evolve around these issues because 
being exclusive and banning people or discriminating against people is just never a good idea. It right. never leads to any, it doesn't lead to progress. It hurts people. It, it makes people feel invisible. And um, I'm going to skip this next story, JB, and go right to the pharmacist. <clears throat> so this is one of these scary uh, grinder stories. Actually, I think this may have been Tinder. A pharmacist in the UK, 37-year-old Mitesh Patel, has been charged with murdering his wife. Um, at their lavish home in the posh suburb of Linthorpe. <clears throat> His trial kicked off a couple weeks ago. Um, apparently, uh, he strangled his wife. He put a plastic shopping bag around her head and strangled her. And it turns out that he was hooking up with tons of guys on Grinder. An investigation was launched and he was charged with murder. Um, after the wife was found inside the couple's home back on May 14th. <clears throat> Apparently they were college sweethearts and had been pharmacists together. In choosing the jury, the judge had to ask any potential jurors if they had ever used Grindr. And if so, they had to be excused oh, from God. serving on the jury. If this were in New York City, like nobody could be on that jury. Seriously, <laughs> Like even straight guys have gone on Grindr just out of curiosity. Um, it's a really horrible story, and I, I, you know, you hear these stories about both straight men and gay men who kill their wives so that they can, you know, have an affair or or be with some person that they're fucking on the side. Like, don't kill your wife. Right. Just divorce. Right. Divorce is fine. Yeah. Don't kill. Some how fucking psychotic! And how would you like to be that guy's boyfriend? Mm. -mm. No, 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 no. Meanwhile, in Australia. An American man is in critical condition after plunging from a third floor balcony and impaling himself on a table leg during a grinder hookup. The 37-year-old American man, um, his name has not been released. He lived, lives and works in Sydney. <clears throat> Back on November 4th, he invited a man who police describe as having Middle Eastern slash Mediterranean appearance with dark hair and a slim build and dark uh, Slim, yeah, slim build, over to his place. They met on Grinder. There's surveillance video that shows the unidentified man entering the apartment. <clears throat> he kind of checks himself in the mirror like he's about to hook up with someone. A short while later, he's seen on camera leaving carrying a black duffel bag that he didn't have when he came in. They still don't know whether this guy was pushed or jumped. They seem to think that he jumped, but they don't understand why or what went wrong. Um... <clears throat> he's in a medically induced coma right now and he's probably if he lives going to have you know no memory or just like serious uh, disabilities for the rest of his oh, life sure so they're now trying to find this guy and figure out like what happened and once again the police are saying you know know who you're meeting know where you're meeting them what their intentions are and establish safeguards beforehand such as providing a close friend with those details yeah you know I'm not on the apps anymore, but back when I was, I had strangers over to my house all the time. I went over to their house all the time. Yeah. We're just playing Russian roulette when we do that. You know, in my family, if we're gonna if we're going to travel rather than host, we send the address of where we're going and a face pick. And um, and we have a rule with one another that if the person who answers the door is not the person in the picture, we don't go in. I think that's very smart. Meanwhile, uh, we have stories of two people who should have known better uh, getting into trouble 
looking for gay sex. The first of these is uh, Norman Goldwasser, an (laughs) Orthodox Jewish anti-gay therapist in Miami Beach. Uh, This is one of these guys who promotes, he's a member of NARTH, the National Association for the Research and Therapy of Homosexuality. These guys always turn out to be gay themselves. Um, The LGBT activist group Truth Wins Out has revealed that Goldwasser sought anonymous gay sex on hookup sites Manhunt and Bear Nation, where he uses the profile Hot and Hairy 72. His Manhunt profile states that he is only looking for fuck buddies and married men and is into sucking and jerking off, but with hairy guys only. The group claims that when an activist approached the Manhunt account using a fake pseudonym, Goldwasser offered to meet him for sex in a motel room. Uh, He didn't respond to comment um, when Pink News reached out to him, but in a statement to NBC, he said, quote, he would seek the right help for himself after the revelations. He did not apologize for his past advocacy of gay conversion therapy, instead apologized for his personal behavior. These fucking assholes. Yep. They're so fucked up. Mm -hmm. It's like, just be gay and leave the rest of us alone. Yeah. You know? Yep. And I love when they get caught. Mm -hmm. And I think anyone who spends his life trying to convert gay people or punish gay people, this is why I think Mike Pence... Or torture gay people. Yeah. Yeah. This is why I think Mike Pence is a huge closet case. Or he's like really turned on by trans women or trans men. Like (laughs) Mike Pence has some like perverted kink... Not that that's a perverted kink to be turned on by those things, but some dark secret that yeah. he's that he's tortured by, which is why he's a Christian dominionist who's now trying to erase trans people and erase gay people um, from society. Meanwhile, as I said, he's not the only person in trouble. This uh, a former rabbi, and you don't often hear about rabbis getting involved in this sort of thing. He's a rabbi from St. Louis Park, a suburb of Minneapolis, and he's just pleaded guilty to grooming a teenage boy that he met online for sex. 44-year-old Rabbi Arya Lev Cohen entered a guilty plea last Friday on one count of engaging in electronic communication describing sexual conduct with a child. It all started... This is awful. <laughs> this is not him, by the way, but uh, I thought it would do be more entertaining if we heard a cantor chanting in the background. It all started back in February when Cohen, who was working as a rabbi and a youth outreach director at Minneapolis Community Kalel, struck up a conversation with someone claiming to be a 16-year-old boy on Grindr. Now, it's very important that we note this. He was not communicating with an actual teenage boy. He was communicating with an undercover agent. It was like a to-catch-a-predator sort of thing. During their chats, the agent mentioned that he was just 16, to which Cohen replied, well, that's a little illegal, before describing all the sex acts he would like to perform on the youth and sending naked pictures of himself. By the way, Rabbi Cohen looks kind of hairy, and I think he and that other guy from North would have been very compatible (laughs) because he likes hairy guys. Uh, After the arrest, a spokesperson for the Minneapolis community, Kalel, issued a statement saying, we are deeply concerned about the health and well-being of our students, blah, blah, blah. I don't know that this was an anti-gay rabbi, but regardless, you can't go after underage people. No, an old fuck buddy of mine that just got locked up for 
essentially the same thing up in upstate New York. You know, I used to travel with my boys. Yeah. And I hooked up with him alone once and it became clear that he was more of a bottom than anything. So I hooked, so I fixed him up the, for the next time with my primary. And I hadn't heard from him in a while. We used to text all the time. So I don't know what made me do it, but rather than look him up on Facebook, I just Googled his name and there it was. That's crazy. Do you yeah. know what he actually did? Um, so he was communicating with an agent, he, but he thought he was um, talking to the father of, I think, a 15 or 16-year-old boy, and they, he, they were planning a threesome. Oh, my God. That's and so the, dark. And the father, uh, the father, you know, the agent, invited him to a motel room in Buffalo. My buddy drove out there, and when he arrived, they arrested him. See, this is the thing. I mean, some people feel that these situations are a form of entrapment. Yeah. Um, to Catch a Predator, as I mentioned, was this uh, Dateline yeah. NBC show with Chris Hansen, and, and many people felt like you had these undercover agents basically encouraging uh, men to break the law and then arresting them when they did. But here's, here's where the line is drawn. It's one thing to engage in chat and conversation. That's illegal. But once you actually go to meet them, then it's a far more serious crime. Yeah. Then, then you're you're you've actually, you can't say, oh well, it was just fantasy, and I knew this person wasn't really a teenager, and we were just engaging in role play because that goes on too. But once you drive to a motel to meet a man and his fifteen year old son for sex, then you're you're completely yeah. fucked, and you deserve to be yeah. because that's just so. I mean, that's an exploitation of a child. Yeah. Uh, I am sidebar so happy that i'm not at all attracted to younger guys i know i love daddies which just i love keeps, daddies it keeps me safe from all this yeah stuff. i want to be the, the kid i want to i want to pretend that i'm the 16 yeah. year old boy i do not want a 16 year old oh my god boy. so do i isn't that fun I love, jb i love older men i can't stand younger people i i don't know what made me attract to my boyfriend he was younger than me i was just like Ugh, i guess yeah the older i get the harder it is for me to pull off the whole boy thing but uh i'm still trying um, on a completely separate issue, I have a question for you too, which is this. Would you ever wear a jacket with the word faggot on the back of it? Um, yes. You would? Mm -hmm. JB? I'm sorry, what? Would you ever wear a jacket <laughs> with the word faggot scrawled across the back? Uh Oh, it depends. What color is it? How is it spelled? <laughs> like, it, it depends. Like, if, if it's like faggot, like faggot. Does like, it go with your shoes? Yeah. Like, is it, is it, am I wearing it for a statement or is it, am I wearing it to offend someone? Well, Fashion House Diesel has come under scrutiny for releasing just such a jacket. Uh, it costs 350 pounds. By the way, this is our cocktails and cock talk story. I should have mentioned that from the get-go. So everything's in pounds because it's a British site. But um, I had a jiggle. You know what you jiggle? Yeah, go ahead and hit it. And now, time for another stupid story from cocktails.com. Yeah, suck my cock. So cocktails and cock talk says the jacket costs 350 pounds. That's, I think, about like six or 700 bucks. Um, the jacket caused an uproar on social media, but Cocktails and Cock Talk says the only offensive thing about the jacket is the price. <laughs> they said when victims reclaim slur slurs against them, they lose their power. Um, Just like black people in the N-word. That's exactly what they say. They say rappers have used the N-word for decades in their lyrics, and it's a form of reclamation. Um, people also wear clothing sometimes that says slut or fat or other things that they've been called as a way to sort of reclaim sure. their power. Now I think about it, now I wouldn't have an issue buying a thing called faggot. Well, who's, who's making the money? Diesel. Oh, that's, 
it's not like they're donating it to like you know they yeah oh. so that's a little weird for me yeah I don't <laughs> John Fugel saying is like dying to talk about this. Uh, we'll be talking to him in just a moment. Uh, I don't know. I don't think I would wear it because I think it's an ugly word. Right. So I understand. I don't have a problem with someone else wearing it as long as they're gay and they're not wearing it to attack me. But I do think um, there, there are words that I don't need to see out there. I don't really want to see the N word. I don't want to see the F word. I don't want to see. Um, you know, a woman wearing a jacket with the C word on her. I just, there's enough negativity out there. Um, I'm not going to be mad about it, but I just would rather not project that. If I, if I, if I don't have to be negative, I don't want to be, do you know? Sure. I, sure. I just, yes. I, I just, I think like being able to reappropriate certain things are, it's okay sometimes. I think it's like in college, I did queer studies, right? Like mm -hmm. queer at one time, not that long ago, it was like a fighting word, you know? And now, like, I went to an Ivy League university where I studied queer studies. Like, that's awesome. True. Queer has really gone mainstream. When I was growing up, we, queer was a really big insult. Yeah. Now we almost need the word because let's say you're uh, gender non binary, you're not gay and you're not trans, but you're queer. Right. So queer is like a nice umbrella for anyone who's uh, a sexual or gender minority or, or feels that they are. Um, let me ask you this. As a trans man, would you wear uh, a jacket that said tranny? So I wouldn't, but I think I feel the way that you do about the faggot jacket is that I, like if somebody else wanted to who was trans, um, I, I wouldn't pass judgment on that. Like I wouldn't be like, you shouldn't do that. But I just, quite frankly, I don't like that word for myself. So uh, I want to. We're going to get to our guest segment in just a second, but I want to do two other quick stories. One uh, we mentioned last week about this new movie out, Boy Erased, mm -hmm. about the, the the horrors of conversion therapy mm -hmm. and what it does to people. And it turns out that the the guy who wrote the screenplay for it, his name's Gerard Conley. This was based on his own life. He went through this um, growing up, and he's been he grew up in Arkansas to a deeply religious family, and um, he talked about this in a recent interview. Take a listen to Gerard Conley. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to like tack it down to one reason why I went to conversion therapy. A really terrible outing experience happened. Um, you know, my father put a lot of pressure on me, and and I was really afraid of losing God. You know, that was that was the closest relationship I'd ever had. Every day, almost to the hour, I would pray to God. So that was a terrifying idea that you know somehow. I was going to lose God um, just by being who I am. The movie stars Lucas Hedges as the uh, the boy who has to go through this. Uh, Nicole Kidman and Russell Crowe play his parents. And Troy Sivan, or Sivan, I can never know how to say that, the pop star, um, wrote a, a track for the film and also acts in the film. I think it's hugely important that this is coming out now. Yeah. Uh, do you know that my primary went through um, something, I mean, not quite as dramatic, but a little bit similar when he came out to his parents? Primary meaning your... The, my primary partner. In your in your quadrangle. Yeah. <laughs> I did know that, yeah. and it's horrifying. It is horrifying. And it, and it fucked him up pretty good. Absolutely. I mean, to be told that you're, you, you've, you're not going to have God in your life unless you fundamentally change who you are yeah. in a way that you can't. Yeah. And to be shunned. And, and also, I mean, they go through torturous 
activities. I just saw on, on CBS Sunday Morning a couple weeks ago, they did a story about this. There was this one lesbian girl who, when she was a teenager, her parents sent her to live with some couple that they didn't even know because the couple claimed that they could change her. And her therapy involved walking around with a backpack all day long that was filled with 40 pounds of bricks. And it was just constant pain and suffering. And this was somehow going to make her straight. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's absolute insanity. And as we said last week, um, uh, it's only banned conversion therapy in 14 states currently. Sick. And should be banned in all 50. Yes. It's so gross. Um, final story, and this happened a few weeks ago, but uh, I had to do it because I love these stories. A New York state trooper received the biggest shock of his career while on patrol when he ran into an 8,000 pound elephant. Sergeant Dave Scott was on duty when police received a call at 11.35 p.m. detailing the fact that an elephant had somehow gotten loose in Westtown, New York. Sounds like a trumpet, doesn't it? Yeah. New York State Police Public Information Officer uh, Stephen Neville told ABC News that the troopers responded within 10 minutes where the elephant was enjoying her freedom. Um, it turns out that she escaped from a nearby animal sanctuary. Um, when they alerted the sanctuary that the elephant had gotten loose, one of the handlers came out and spoke to the elephant as you would to a dog. They told the elephant to turn around and go home. And she listened and started going home. I didn't know elephants could, you know, obey commands like that. They're I super mean, elephants fucking are smart. smart. Yeah. yeah. It turns out she's a 46-year-old Vietnamese elephant named Frifa. Frifa. Uh, who arrived in the U.S. after she was burned by napalm during the Vietnam oh. War. This elephant's been through a lot. Yeah. But she's been able to stroll around this sanctuary for the past, you know, 40 years. Um, she was not phased by the commotion, remained nice and friendly uh, during the run-in. The state police officer said he often gets calls detailing wayward bears, dogs, and deer. But this was the very first time he ever saw an elephant. Our guest is someone who's uh, often mistaken for an elephant, <laughs> especially when he's naked. <laughs> no, but seriously, do we, uh, we have the bite, right? Okay, so our guest today, ladies and gentlemen, is a comedy legend. In addition to performing stand-up around the globe for the past 25 years, he's been seen in countless movies and TV shows, including as the host of America's Funniest Home Videos and a recurring panelist on Politically Correct. He currently hosts a daily radio show on SiriusXM Insight called Tell Me Everything, Here's a taste of the comedy stylings of John Fugelsang. That's just applause. Hey, welcome to Comedy Nation. I'm oh, no. Oh, no. We're, start, we're at the wrong part in it. We didn't cue it up. That's all right. I was led to understand. Here's the real John Fugelsang. Welcome. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. How are you? Wow. I'm, I'm, I just avoided a PTSD experience. Thank you Sorry very much. Sorry about that. We, we've had technical difficulties all day. Our first show, which was live, was not live for the first 20 minutes. We started late. Our studio audience is going crazy, but thank you, John, for being here. I am so happy to finally be... No, you can keep the applause going. Thank you. <laughs> Just I'm keep so up for the whole happy to finally be on your show. This is Jay and JB. Yeah. Well, uh, what a pleasure. I'm saying welcome like I'm the freaking mayor's wife. Hello. <laughs> You're you. used to doing this welcome, five welcome. days a week. No, This is right. Like, and you, It just feeds into my, my muscle memory because this is the same configuration of my studio. It's weird to be in the guest chair now. Um, it's delightful to be in the guest chair. You serious, right? Yes. Okay, so... Uh, Romaine, uh, she wanted her. I guess this will be the the studio to look like it was from Sirius, right? Uh, the the out studio, yeah. yeah. That yeah. was the model for it. 
Um, John, you, I was saying this earlier, you are literally my favorite person in show business. No, you're my favorite person in show business for I'm a little while. Business. For a little while, you are. Um, <laughs> for another week. You're, you're the straight guy friend I wish I had. You understand what I mean? But I'm not straight. I know. That's why it's, it, you know, I wish. I wish we could get married. I wish we could get married. I wish we, you were we just a little gayer. I wish that you were into chicks. <laughs> then we could be wingbuds. Seriously. <laughs> what are we, wingmen? We could alienate every possible demographic that way. No, but you really are. You're the, you're the most generous, egoless, uh, kindest performer that I know. And you've been so good to me ever since I, we first met a couple years ago through Jorge Olivares. Yes. He's the one who introduced us. My boss, mi jefe Jorge. We're a couple of weeks out now, but because you do a lot of political talk on your show, I wanted to get your reaction to the results of the midterms and sort of where you think we're headed next. I was told we'd be discussing Black China um, and her <laughs> CD dropping. Uh, this is That'll be coming later in the hour, okay. but we're going to start with politics. Thank you. Well, if people show up to vote, things happen. Yeah. And, you know, uh, there's not much to add uh, on top of the uh, the stats we've all heard, that it was the largest midterm turnout in over 100 years and the highest turnout for Democrats since just after Watergate. You know, in my lifetime, I'll say, uh, it's I guess it's a sign that you're a healthy society when people don't feel like they need to vote. I guess that means you won. The problem is then then it's Rocky three, right. and you get cloppered by Kepler Lang. So I, I kind of feel like we've gotten very lazy. I, I do believe in shaming people who don't vote. Because in 2016, the winner was apathy with 46%. Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump tied for second uh, at 27% apiece. She had a few more million votes than him. Right. So, you know, the fact that, like, we're celebrating the turnout when almost 50% of eligible voters showed up, it makes me really want to open up the voting age to 16. Because you know why? High school kids, would they, they would do it. They would show up. Absolutely, especially when you see what like the Parkland survivors have done in terms of their activism. But I want to go back to something you just said, because, you know, it is tempting to say, like, shame on you for not voting. But and that has been my position, too. But when I saw the Michael Moore documentary and I saw about uh, what yes. happened in Flint. Yeah. The fact that 10,000 people in Flint didn't vote, you can't blame them for that. They were at a point where and, and they're not the only ones who feel this way, of course, in this country, that. Whatever they do, it doesn't make a goddamn difference. That the government yeah. has failed them, the leadership has failed them, both parties have failed them, so why the fuck are they going to bother 100%, voting? 100%, and Michael Moore is the only major media figure I know to include Obama in the blame mm -hmm. on what happened in Flint by giving them a clean bill of health and letting this criminal governor walk away. I understand better than anyone how, how <laughs> discouraging it can be, what, how despondent it can be, what a futile peasant-like gesture it might seem to actually show up in a vote when we all know the system has always been rigged since wealthy white landowning men decided they were the only ones who should be allowed to vote. The history of this country to me has never been uh, conservative versus liberal. It's always been aristocracy versus democracy. So the Koch brothers and Donald Trump and Sheldon Adelson really, really need you to give up and stay home and not inflict democracy on their racket. Right. That's how it's always been. And when you vote, it makes life very inconvenient for billionaires and companies that would rather dump poison into the air and water than be clean and be environmentally responsible. It makes it so much easier for corporate criminals, makes it so much easier for predatory lenders, for the banks to rip you off, for the banks to rip off college students. Democracy is a fucking irritant to the people who've always owned this country. 
Right. So, you know, you want to tell me it's choosing the lesser of two evils. Every choice in adulthood is choosing the lesser of two evils. Picking which dessert you're going to have is choosing the lesser of two evils. Not voting is choosing the greater of two evils. And if you don't believe, if you don't believe in the two-party system, I'm with you. Look at AOC. Look what happened in Queens. They replaced one of the old models with something that is brand new and that is actually talking about issues that would win if a major political party would highlight them. The Democratic Party is going to have 400 candidates running for president starting January 2nd. Yeah. None of them will be rock stars. There will be no Bill Clinton or Obama. But if you run on big ideas, people will show up to vote. Well, and so they did. And we gained, you know, 30 plus House seats and nine governor's races and, and countless state houses. So what happens now? This is what, what I think everyone's waiting to see. Like, do, do, does uh, Congress actually move against Donald Trump or we just have two more years of this lunatic the doing whatever both. the fuck he wants? The answer is both, don't you think? I mean, it's, this is how it's going to be now. You, you should get ready. It's going to get it hasn't been ugly yet. Now it's going to start to get really bad. Like, it's been entertaining. It's been amusing. I have not been entertained or amused. I have spent every day for the past two years in a state of constant anxiety. Mm, I'm not should, exaggerating. You know what, I, every you know day I think about you Donald should, Trump and I freak out. You should spend more time in comedy clubs. Um, <laughs> You're just trying to get me to know. I had a, a, an actor friend say to me, no, listen, seriously, dude, uh, all respect, but it's not funny anymore. And I said, you're right. It, it stopped being funny a long time ago. And that's why we need humor and satire and ridicule and wit more than ever. Well, I wanted to ask you about that because you are a very political comedian. I mean, you sometimes you do a whole hour on nothing but politics. So how does that come across? <laughs> when, when I'm allowed to be. Sure. So how does that come across in the Trump age? Because I feel like as someone who barely talks about politics, when I do a Trump joke, everyone gets real quiet. They, it's like they don't, they don't want to think about him right now. How do you deal Interesting. with it? Um, you, you, you know how it is. You play to the room you're in. If the crowd's not feeling it, then you don't talk about that stuff. That's all. I mean, yeah. you know, you play with the audience and, and there's ways of easing them into it. I was up the other night and there was a bunch of uh, red hats in the f two different spaces in the front row. Mm. And um, every comic who tried to do it was having a tough time of it. And I just got up and started talking about the divisions and how we're so divided. I just began on this and I, I make fun of Democrats first. And when I make fun of Democrats, Republicans realize I'm not going to be picking on just them the whole time, and they chill out, and then I talk about Trump, and I talk about the party. I don't attack the voters, you know? I don't, I don't, I, I try not. I attack the mean voters, but generally, I try to attack meanness more than I try to uh, attack people who got suckered by a con man, because he's really good at it. Trump University, he paid $26 million in education fraud. So I don't want, I, if I hate the people who voted for him, that's going to come through. I won't be able to be funny. I, I and, think and it's, it's going to be, uh, you know, I won't sell merch. I mean, that's very strategic, but I think you're also being overly generous by, by saying they got suckered by a con man. I think most of them are just racist. I've come to believe that. I, I, in the beginning, I wanted to give people the benefit of the doubt and say, well, they're economically uh, depressed. They feel like no one in Washington was speaking to them or listening to them. And here comes Trump. And he says, I hear you and I'm going to fight for you. And that's why they voted for. You know what? At this point, I just think they're racist. Well, they're ignorant. Keep that in yes, mind. Yes, definitely. And ignorance is the mother of racism. And you can't you. you here's what I think. Yes, they're racist. Um, but I don't think they're all bigots. 
If we're talking What's about the racism as an institutional construct, that, that bigotry, which is hate, institutionalized, is racist. You know, there were people who believed the Obama birther smear that this goblin yeah. spread for all those years. But they love Steve Harvey. How could I be racist? I love Steve Harvey. Well, Steve Harvey's not making any laws. No, but here's the thing. They don't have hatred in their hearts, but they believe any kind of bigoted bullshit, lie, smear they'll hear because they accept, oh, he's got a funny name, so it's possible that maybe he really wasn't born here and no one knew it until Donald Trump showed up. So, again, I don't mean to offend, but I, I've, I've really, in the age of Trump, I've been asking all the african-american academics and professors to come on my show to discuss the distinctions between racism and bigotry uh, and and to me bigotry is when uh you hate and racism is when you're just a dumb clueless white person who says ignorant shit and that maybe doesn't even realize is offensive half the time we all have those relatives they they're they're part of the problem but they're not haters that's right. so I, I get what you're saying i'm not trying to be overly generous i'm trying to not lose them as humans because I want to believe they're still reachable, but I don't think they should be uh, pled to by politicians. I think the way to go is to just stop trying to convert them and go to the people who didn't show up to vote last time because that's what worked for the midterm. Well, I mean, I think you're, you're, you're a better man than I because I, I have lost patience trying to reason with them and trying to explain yeah, you to them. can't do that. I get in these Twitter wars with these, yeah, these don't do that. MAGA trolls. Adam. You like, know, just... Adam. Adam, I you're know. so hot. Would you talk to trolls in a bar? Uh, Would you I talk have? to lame, disgusting, racist, fat, fucking, miserable, self-loathing, projecting their unprocessed pain onto your beautiful self at the fucking boots and saddle? Would you be seen doing that? Not only would I talk to them, but I'd blow them. No, you wouldn't. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, listen. Adam, no, seriously. The, like, you're the, like the equivalent of a hot chick, and I say this to women all the time. You wouldn't talk to this guy in a club, so why are you talking to him on Twitter? No game, Adam. Ignore these people. Keep your goals away from the trolls. You can mute the haters, and they'll never know you muted them, yeah. and they'll spend hours of their life hating you, and that'll be wasted time <laughs> on Earth. So dig that, but don't let these fuckers get to you. Now, you once said to me on your show, do not block them. Don't block mute them. them. Mute them. Why? Because blocking them gives them power. It makes them think they've had an impact on you. Muting them is ignoring them. And please, you understand the, va the value of ignoring some trifling fool. Sure. Jay, what do you think? Do you, you, don't, you don't engage in Twitter. Oh, I just retweet things. I don't, I certainly don't go at it with anyone. Also, like, nobody fucking follows me. So, like, <laughs> what's well, because you don't use your real name when you're on this show. Well, I've got, I've got two Twitters. Oh. I do. You're so funny and, and political, and you don't use Twitter to promote your thoughts and quips and, and uh, brand and whatever the hell people talk about these days? No. Um, wow. I, Get into that. Put your face in that microphone. I, I, um... I, got, I got Dick Cavett to join Twitter. <laughs> on, you? On TV. Ah, I got him to awesome. open an account. Yeah. Yeah. You should do it. Right. I've, seen a lot, I've seen Maybe. a lot of Dick on Twitter. <sighs> Sorry, Jay, go ahead. No, I, but I'm, I'm done. <laughs> this is more fun than me ranting about socialism. So, John, you were starting to say now things are going to get really ugly. Yeah. Well, you're not going to see any legislative action whatsoever. If Donald Trump were smart, don't worry, he's cunning, but he's not smart. Uh, if he were smart, he would understand that there's no way for him out of this at all where history books don't pulverize him. 
and he would then try to do some kind of radical Frank Capra for the working man's shit to try to salvage his legacy. Well, Nixon at least had the EPA and the earned income tax credit. Like, he would totally go to Pelosi and Schumer and say, $15 minimum wage, let's do it. Let's pass a public option right now, Medicare for all, whoever needs it. He would say, let's reform immigration right now and have a guest worker program. Like, he would do some outrageously progressive things that would help the middle class. And he's not smart enough to do that. He wants to win. And he, he can only understand this moment. He's the guy from Memento. Uh, you know, like he's, he's, he's the goldfish and he's seeing that castle for the first time. Well, he's addicted to dopamine releases. He can't do yes. anything selfless. And he's addicted to his base. He can't bear the thought of losing their adulation and their cult following. So were he to do any of these progressive things, they'd be like, wait, what, what are you doing? You're supposed to just talk about building a wall and keeping out poor brown people. Yeah. That's why we love you. Yeah. I mean, that's the problem with being one of these crypto fascists. If, if, if Ann Coulter suddenly realized, oh, my God, we are all one. And if there is a God, <laughs> God loves us all. And we are all part of that God. And we are one giant soul. And we have to love each other because love is the only thing that works and can save humanity. She'd never sell a book again. That's She'd right. lose her entire base if, if she actually became a Christian. That's one thing that's become so painfully clear to me is that hate has become a very lucrative business for a lot of people. There's one business, and it's getting dopamine released in the brain. That's it. Making people happy with a product you sell. And hate works for a lot of people. And George Harrison said, as long as you hate, there will be people to hate. It's so interesting. I mean, it is sort of like watching porn, right? When you yeah. listen to Rush Limbaugh or you watch Alex Jones videos or you read Ann Coulter's tweets and you're the kind of person that is inspired by them, it's kind of like, you know, me jerking off to gay porn. Yes. It's the same it's the same exact Except except I don't know that the that the porn would um be corrosive to society. <sighs> this is actual audio of me <sighs> reading Ann Coulter's book. <laughs> John, you just mentioned God, and that's a perfect segue. The clip that we had set up that didn't work was you um, describing um, your parents' relationship and the fact that your uh, mother was originally a nun and your father was originally a priest. This a Franciscan brother. Yes. Yeah. Different than a priest. Yes. Is that more like a monk? Sort of, yeah. The, the, the Franciscans were an order that came over from Ireland to New York City in the 1800s to uh, build schools in New York City. Um, and, uh, and my dad was a teacher. He went to St. Francis Prep in Brooklyn and uh, walked around in the Jedi robes and, um, yeah, had the same vow of celibacy and, and poverty. So how was it that your mom, the nun, and your father, the monk, wound up meeting and falling in love and getting married? Oh, well, um, <laughs> those events were actually very spaced apart, but uh, my, my mother was transferred from the South. They, they, the convent put her through nursing school, and they sent her to Brooklyn to Holy Family Hospital. And my father had uh, been battling tuberculosis, and he um, came into the city one day, and uh, there was this, to get treatment, and there was this pretty southern nun nurse that he met, and he fell madly in love with her, and couldn't tell her, and could never say it to anyone, because he had promised God he would never feel this. Mm. So they became very good friends, and they sent her to Africa to work with lepers, and then a hospital in the jungles of Malawi, and my dad was her pen pal, um, and his letters would be like the uh, newspaper for the, the convent. There were no radios or anything. Uh, he would talk about civil rights and Vietnam and LBJ. And, and um, long story short, uh, eventually um, he told her he loved her, and she was appalled, but 
she um, she sent a letter to uh, when her father died. She sent a letter to uh, the Vatican begging to be sent back to the South, and she gave it to a priest who traveled from village to village in Africa on a motorcycle, and he secretly mailed it behind the Mother Superior's back to Rome. She came back, and the second time my dad came to see her, he proposed, and she said yes and left. So it's, it's such an incredible story, isn't it? Yeah. I want to see the movie. Have you ever thought of of, of writing a screenplay? Um, I've been asked to, and uh, I did a I, I did a solo show about it that ran off Broadway about ten years ago at New York Theater Workshop, and and got some uh, some some awards and. Um, which was a great experience because I had only done political material and people always said, hey, do something personal about your family. And I, when I tried to, it didn't come out as stand-up. It came out as this love story. So uh, it was, I've always liked doing solo theater, but to actually do something at, uh, at NYTW and, uh, you know, and get a drama drama league nomination and, and all that was uh i mean it's great to to get laughs for 90 minutes but it's great to get laughs for an hour 15 and then have them cry the last 15 minutes absolutely that's my favorite kind of performance yeah i love laughter through tears and vice versa me too you are uh someone you belong to a category of 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 which we are in short supply these days and that is you are a true left-wing christian i i don't i i aspire to be a true left-wing christian i don't what does that I don't mean think i am uh I, you know i don't really i think people should identify however they want to identify and and i i kind of say uh i aspire to be liberal and i aspire to be christian hmm you think, think you don't think you're there yet you oh think no it's a, it's a no, constant I think, struggle I think you're to... always trying to i think you're always trying to get there i mean that's the whole struggle in the society the whole, str- the whole struggle in our whole society is still moving forward versus the past. We were, at colonial days, one-third of us were revolutionaries who wanted a whole new system. One-third of us were conservative loyalists, and one-third of us didn't give a damn and just were checked out watching Kardashians or whatever they did. And uh, hasn't changed much. So, you know, that struggle is the same struggle in, in yourself. Bob, Bob Dylan said, he not busy being born is busy dying. And I kind of feel like... You know, a lot of people who brag about being Christian, I think, are actually what I call evangelical supremacists. Right. They don't really care about what Jesus taught. They care about the fact that God thinks they're better than you. You know, and they I know God thinks they're better than you. I work for a large left-wing Christian denomination. That's my day job. And um, people, gay it's people amazing. say to me all the time, like, how can you work for, for them? Aren't they homophobic? And I'm like, no. No, they're Christian. They're Christians. They have openly gay pastors and they have rainbow flags on their church website and, th- and in the, front of their church. And this is why I do the, this is why I do what, what makes all my agents so angry because you know I don't hear anyone else talking about it. I mean the fact is homophobia is inconsistent with the gospels. Homophobia is inconsistent with the teachings of this guy Jesus you claim to follow. And it's kind of inconsistent with Paul. Paul was a dick, but he was more misogynist than he was a homophobe. Uh, Romans, I could bore you all day with the letters of Paul and how they've been misinterpreted. I've several letters from Paul myself. I bet you have a lot of letters from Paul. I bet you there's a lot of Pauls. Um, and it's probably a few Pablos, too. <laughs> but, you know, the Bible, like there's one, there's, there's one or two passages in the entire Bible that you could cite to say that God used to have a problem with gay people, but if you take the Bible as literal fact, then you cannot be a homophobe. You're not allowed. This is why I love John Fugelsang. We are gonna- by the way, I'll debate that with anybody. Yeah, no, I know you will, and that's what makes you... Because I know all seven passages they use inside and out, and the, the 20th century translations of 2,000-year-old Greek words that they use to try to make it seem like male temple Roman prostitute is consensual gay adult. Right. 
John, we're going to lighten things up considerably now and play everyone's favorite game, Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Yeah. You are of Danish... It's so nice being a guest on a show. Isn't it fun? Yeah. You don't have to do anything. You I are, know, I get to sit here and be hungover. It's you are of Danish, German, and Irish descent. So exactly how big is your fugal saying? <laughs> Let me unspool it and I'll measure. <laughs> I'm assuming so it's big. It's got a knee in it. It's huge. <laughs> what What's the gayest experience you've ever had other than being on this show? <laughs> and having me on your show. What does that mean, the gayest experience? Well, uh, have you ever experimented? Was there ever a kiss? Was there ever a BJ? Was no. there? Did you ever explore that side of yourself? Um, I, let me, I, I, I did a, uh, a, a love boat reunion cruise with Gavin McLeod. That's pretty gay. But, I mean, you're a very handsome... Hello, John. It's nice to see you. Thank you, Gavin. It's a pleasure to see you as well. Thank you. I'm so glad you came on the Love Boat Reunion Cruise. Well, thank you, Gavin. Is there a reason you're wearing the costume right now? <laughs> He's a conservative Republican, right? No. Gavin Fred, McLeod? Fred Grandy. I thought Gavin was too. Gavin voted for Fred... Or supported Fred Grandy yeah, because Fred was his friend. But And Fred wasn't a homophobe. He was just a corporatist stooge. But let me ask you a different way. You're... you're a, very no disrespect to Freddie. He's a lovely man. I yes. met him on the cruise, too. You're a very striking, handsome, tall man. I'm sure at some point in your life, other men have come on to you. It's really strange to hear that at this point, because in the, in, in, in the West Village, I'm a twink, but in Chelsea, I'm already a troll. <laughs> I don't think you're a troll anywhere. But uh, you haven't felt that? You haven't felt uh, unwanted? No, uh, usually they... You haven't be, had any Me Too moments with men? Uh, usually they, 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 they come up to me because they think I'm KD Lang, which is even more awkward <laughs> than an unwanted You advance. do kind of look like a, a more masculine I get into Katie the best Lang. girl bars that way, and I don't have to wax, so it's really good. But, um, <laughs> Hashtag constant craving. Here's the thing. Here's what, here's what my experience was. I, I, I'll tell you, I've had a couple when I was younger. Um... And, and one was physical. One was a, uh, a, a guy I trusted uh, pulling some shit when I was passed out, um, and I was terrified. But I'm not. I'm not going to get into that. That was fine. I, I got through that. But I had a boss at an early job of mine who um, was a really interesting guy. He was a Vietnam vet, and he had he had uh, he, he he was um, a gentleman, and he had realized late in life. And he was like the boss's 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 boss, and he took a shine to me, which was very flattering because I found him to be a fascinating guy. And then, you know, then, you know, calls at home, things like that. And I found myself like taking different routes to work in the morning and being really scared and trying to avoid crossing his path and being terrified that, you know. How old were you? 21. You know, it's important that we hear these stories because a part of my shtick, both on stage and in life, is to like sexually harass straight guys because isn't that so funny that as the the one without the power, I'm harassing the one with the power. But the that's fact satire. is, harassment that, but is that's that's satire. What you do is brilliant. I, that's I why I like look forward to years more of your comedy. Thank you. I believe it's satire, but not uh, not every straight guy is going to perceive it that way and we have to remember that like you guys are also human beings that can feel vulnerable and unsafe you have to remember the first thing they wrote in the bill of rights too <laughs> what's that freedom of speech adam true but speech is different than harassment tell me everything but anyway, let me say one more thing if i yes. could really quick um uh, so i during me too i thought a lot about this experience because it went on for a while and it was very difficult for me at the time because i wanted to be a good person and i didn't want to have any hangups, but I was really, really scared professionally. So I never came out and said, I understand what Me Too's like, because I think even if a man's been in that position, 
you still don't, as a man, know the physical menace that a woman can feel from a male Some body. men can. In Some any, men can. We got to leave it there. Tell me everything with John Fugel saying airs weekdays from noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. I brought so many dick jokes. We're done. Insight. We are, but I'm going to have you back. What do you have coming up and how can people follow you? Um, John Fugel saying store.com and lots of shows in lots of cities in the Southwest and West Coast coming up. And, uh, and my, oh, my merch store is all cool resistance swag, uh, uh, free shipping. And one, unlike Donald and Ivanka, it's 100% made in America. And you sell a life-size whore, dildo. Whore. Uh, I sell a life-size Melania Trump sex doll but the eyes are so dead it's like she's really there with you <laughs> John Fugel saying I love you thank you so much for being here Jay thank you for being my co-host the last two weeks tune in next Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern time for a brand new live ass with guest co-host Chris Harder don't forget to follow me me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam Sank subscribe to Derek and email me at Adam at Adam and download my comedy album have a great week bitches thank you, Adam. I love you 